Welcome, welcome, welcome to Planning Phase Syndicate, episode 63, the tournament, tournament, the tournament future for X-Wing and list building with our good friends. Tonight, we're going to be having a conversation about X and 1 tournaments, kind of the different prize support for tournaments, what the differences between Gen Con and Adepticon tournament-wise are, and maybe offer up a little bit of suggestions for what we could do to make a change inside of the tournament community. We're also going to be talking a little bit about list building. We want to discuss kind of how, how to build a list. Where do you want to go for it? What's your favorite type of list building? And um, give you kind of a overview of where you can go for list building purposes. Tonight, joining me will be my good friend, JJ, as well as our guest host tonight, Corey Heald from our local X-Wing community, Brew Squadron. Why don't we go ahead and bring everybody in? Maybe bring everybody in. Do I have the wrong one? I have the wrong one. There we go. Bring it in the right scene with the right guys tonight. Welcome hey. to the show, everyone. Hey. How's everybody's night so far? Mine's pretty good. I... What cleaned out my son's old room a little bit since he never did. Ended up getting a bunch of free X-Wing stuff. Um, <laughs> so I guess there's that. Nice. Yeah. For me, um, I'm I'm buckling or been buckling down in the middle of the move now. Uh, as you can see behind me, what used to be filled with all my board games is now completely gone. I have a random uh, mug that I had here for apparently the last decade here for uh, Carnage. <laughs> um that i found and i'm like ah, i don't know i probably should probably get rid of it but um but yeah apparently i have <laughs> i i filled about 10 boxes medium-sized boxes full of board games um that i own um and that's that i sold quite a bit of it <laughs> a while back um but yeah I, I um i it's just so much to that you accumulate over 10 years of living in the same space and uh and yeah just trying to get all that done and packed I got uh, about ten days before I got to go, so it's uh, it's crunch time for us here. So, oh. fun, fun. Have you uh, got your job situation and everything all set for when you land? Still, still in progress right now, but hopefully it should be resolved by the time I'm there. So, yeah. Awesome, Corey. How was your weekend? Been busy getting uh, some work. I'm doing some a weird job for a museum actually, where we're taking photos of a artifact from King Ramsey and making a 3d model and video and all that stuff from it so it's kind of a fun little side project and then i just uh, spent the rest of the day unpacking from uh gen con and getting ready for monday so oh and i just saw uh prey today um the predator movie oh yeah i've been wanting to watch that how is it uh it was it was really good it's it's i i thoroughly enjoyed it i didn't walk away like wow that was you know, those stupid moments and stuff. I, I enjoyed it It as a great movie. Uh, being free on Hulu was even better, but, uh, I'm a huge predator fan. So, um, even though I don't like most of the movies, so. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever played, um, I know this is not predator, but it's the same vein. Like it's, it's an alien game, uh, called, God, I can't remember the name of it now. It's got the it's the big box Nemesis. There you go. Have you ever played Nemesis? Uh, once during Dice Tower Con, um, I only got introduced to it briefly, but yeah. 
All right, so Corey, I will have to plan a day at the sh at the shop that I bring that, and it was like a day that we're only gonna have a few people, right? And uh, it's um essentially what it is is you're trapped on this ship, right? And you got to get rid. You can't wake the aliens up, and every time you move, you get more. You can, you make noise, kind of like you do in you know the show. And if it spawns an alien, you either got to fight it or run away, and then you get little different mission codes. The idea is is it's supposed to be a co op game, right? So you're going to be cooperative with each other. Um, but you also have your own little missions. And like, so sometimes you get a side mission that says eliminate player three to win. And the only <laughs> way to win is to actually eliminate player three. So you have to play the whole game in covert. And then you have to figure out how to eliminate player three at some point. Nice. Um, it is insanely hard. You almost never win the game. I think we've played it maybe 10 to 12 times and we've won two or three times and that's it. So yes. one time I held everybody hostage because they were going to leave me on the base behind. <laughs> so I basically said, if you guys get an escape crafts, what you can do to get to get out of there, I'm just going to go hit the um, I'm going to go hit the the self-destruct button and blow you up. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, it's a great game. I think it's kind of fun. Um and it has like the element of teamwork with uh, screwing somebody over as well. So. Mm. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, for tonight, I, before we get into we, I, I want to talk about list building and and, and I want to talk about tournament tournament prep or not prep, but tournament discussion, right? And the, the, specifically, the reason we have Corey on is for two reasons, right? One, Corey is actually a game designer, so Corey understands and has maybe a little bit more inside knowledge than your average person when it comes to. Um, dissecting a game apart um, and so I think that they delves into two different arenas one he has the ability to um, help people get through and understand what is the audience run right because that's his goal he's working towards that um, when he starts building these different games out and then also because of the fact that a Corey loves to list build um, so there's that there's that piece of it too Corey is the list builder in our group um, so if you tell Corey you need a list and in our discord he will spend 10 hours building lists for you and then he'll send them all to you and expect you to play them all and tell him which one is best. That's what he will do. But um, true. as a game designer, I think that kind of lends to Corey's creativity piece of it. And so when Corey builds you a list, it's going to give you um, something that's a little bit more creative. I'm not an overly creative list builder. Um, I can tweak built lists that people give me or tweak meta lists and understand how that process works. But I'm not the guy that goes and discovers the brand new list. Typically, typically that's not me. So, anyway, right. with with that being said, before we get into that though, I have I thought I'd do this like neat little intro, right? Like we always they're trying to do something different, like to break the show up. And um, one of the things I thought we would do is say, if you could design a card, what would it be, right? And and I'm not just gonna say a card of any type that we have exist. If you could design a actually a new card type like put something in there so like instead of a uh talent maybe it is a um i don't know like a new type of like bomb dropping shoot or something like that so what i wanted to do is that i thought that would be kind of fun is if you, and if you could do that what what how would you build it what would you put around it what would be something that could be like a new interesting mechanic um and it could be related to anything within the game 
So there, there's, so, they're only in the presence out for that. So I think something that it hasn't really been touched as much and was briefly explored um, is something similar that the CIS has with their tactical droids. I think that there need to be commander uh, upgrades uh, for squadrons across the factions. Uh, this opens up to having specific crew um, that you can pay points for, similar to like the attack droids that can give a benefit to the um, to that squad uh, for for what they can do. Um, something similar, uh, like for instance, like bringing back uh, or taking Leia out of the crew slot and bring bringing her as a commander um, for the rebels, for instance, will be um, a, a nice change like that because she can lead uh, the squadron as like a, the commander. Uh, type figure like that or same thing with the empire and all their moths or thrawn for instance would be a fantastic commander to have uh, for the empire uh, that would be something really great then something that could be explored um, as an extra option there i know that we have something similar for uh, something similar like that already in epic um, but i think that it is good enough to see that come into standard play um, as an option for list building. Something that's not mandatory, but it would be nice to add on to add another dimension to the game. So cool. for example, you so so for example, it would could be something where that you could activate two ships at once. Yeah, something yeah, something like that. Or like uh or treat during the activation phase, they treat their initiative the same as another ship. Uh, or the ship that the ship is uh, the commander's on, like activate at the same time. Like that would be uh, something that could, that, like an effect that could be a, a commander effect. How about this? Would this be amazing? This this brings back Destiny stuff, right? Thanks for the subscribe, Nickel City. This brings back Destiny stuff. There's this card that basically lets you activate multiple characters at the same time. And it's like an ambush action. So that would be like what this is. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and activate my Covenel and it's going to have my Leia character on it and it activate all other T 75 or T seventies at the exact same time. And then you just be able to activate all like three of your other ships. That would be amazing. I don't know. I like it. I like it. JJ. Yeah. Creative. So Corey. just going off of that, just to throw some ideas. Cause I, uh, I have a board game design that, that has like a team leader. Um, something that could be interesting to go off of that is instead of it being a card that's on a ship is actually a card that you have separate, which is your ground crew or your, your command crew. Uh, not that's on the battle, but that's back at the base. So you could kind of get the idea of um, having your abilities that you could do maybe with charges or whatever, um, you know, getting Intel, getting information from, uh, you know, your, your, wherever the base is in a sense. Right. Um, so it doesn't have to be a crew card. You don't have to mess with what you've got. You just get new abilities, um, that kind of get added to that with, uh, like a commander that's not in the battle currently, but, uh, on the ground or on a ship somewhere far away. Oh yeah. That makes sense. So it'd be something like it could be, you could have something where they, that we would pretend they're on a capital ship or something like that. And yep. they authorize some sort of a code, um, yeah. That's cool. I like that. I think that would be very fun too. So my big thing that I would love to see and, and probably it'd be a 3.0 thing or whatever, but um, uh, I like the idea. You always hear about it in all the movies and, sh and books and stuff like that is diverting power from one thing to another. 
Um, cool. And I know it would complicate things, but I love the idea. Like the idea of reinforce, uh, I think is a really cool concept because you can outmaneuver it. You've got all these different things. Having ships be able to shift power around so that you lose something and gain something. So think of it like your S foils on a T70 uh, that you've got modes of how to flip your, your cards um, and ships just have different options and you can be in this or this mode, more offense, more defense or more speed um, or maybe more uh, uh, coordinating kind of uh, support, right? So you've got your four different key aspects of the game um so being able to have a shift in a ship from one thing to another and they get only maybe only two but you can kind of adjust them a little bit i think would be pretty neat i i actually like that idea i think that you can actually implement that with existing tokens that we have like uh taking uh the plate tokens to shift your power from your cannons to something else yep um or um or like taking a strain shifting your power from your engines to get a better attack or something like that i think that's something uh that could be worked as a game design mechanic uh for certain ships yeah and even if it's a one-off thing of you know you take a deplete to gain a temporary extra die for one round right or one shot so um, it's kind of a one for one type thing. Uh, I think it would be kind of cool to simulate the idea of moving your your power around in your ships, you know? Um, so. Yeah. And I think if you think like, if we talk about squadrons, right, you know, if you look at squadrons in squadrons, you can actually do that, right? I can mm -hmm. move my power from one to be able to go faster or slower. Um, you know, for that. And I think that would be kind of neat. You could almost like, if you look at it, like an armada piece, right. You could almost have like a separate um like a separate dial piece to it right that you could say this is what i'm going to divert or this is what i'm going to do and then based on that it would go through um and and you know it would go through and, and do it each different way so i think that's really neat um i kind of like that a lot and i think that would be something i think that's something they could implement in 2.6 or whatever we're calling this now so i <laughs> I, I am not on the same page that I think 3.0 is around the corner. I, I, I feel 3.0 is like a good five years away, maybe four. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not around the corner. I was just saying that I, I uh, to balance it, it, it may take that in order to get that kind of customization. Um, but uh, yeah. And the other thing I would just throw out there, I still wish we had more ship uh variants so like you have seven delta seven seven b like i think the y wing should be this and that i like to have the different um model types of a ship and i think that would be something i would like to see more of as well um, things was that like new configurations yeah and just really spread it out in the ships to give you a lot more to do with your models uh i think it would be really really cool especially if you like a ship to kind of customize it so yeah, think about it this way. If you did that, you don't have to like you don't have to print a bunch of new ships. We own quite a few ships. I won't lie and say there's certain ships I would like to see and I would like another faction, um, honestly. But that doesn't mean that um we couldn't do that. It, like what you're saying, we couldn't do that with that feature because and, and again, you know, you could take um X Wings are a great example of that. Um, because X Wings were all flown completely different. And think about if you had a way to fly and, and I guess I'm picking on resistance probably because you're here. But um, if I was able to fly my resistance X-Wings and have a configuration instead of S-Foils, I had a configuration that allowed me to be more 
like an actual swarm, right? Or more of an in sync. And and I think of Epic too when you kind of do some of those things and you can put them mm -hmm. in squads and fly them together. Um, not that I want to do that with X-Wing because that puts a lot of extra ships on the table I don't want to see. Um, but it would still be cool to do some sort of a config. So if you had two of them that were the same, that they could get a bonus if they both flew together in a yeah. in a squad set. Yeah. Yeah, my big one is like the lat. I I, I think of it, there's the Samurai Jack-style Clone Wars cartoon, and they have this lat that just wrecks everything, right? It's <laughs> yeah. That's like my favorite episode in that series, man. Yeah, and it's yeah. so awesome. And I'm like, just give me a gunship version of the lat instead of this the wussy support version that most of the time it is. You know, give me some blue turns, you know, banks and and a three die turret and take away fire convergence. I'd still fly the thing. Yeah. You know, even it could even be like an arc trooper configuration um, that can come out for the lat, which increases its its attack value and make it more aggressive. And a lot less of a uh, of a support type ship. Yeah. I would definitely be on board with that. That'd be great. They even drop bombs with the things out of the cartoon. Yeah, you know? that's so right. like that'd be pretty sweet to have this like gunship that's not a support ship and it give Republic a, a whole nother ship using the same chassis. Yeah. So So kind of in line with that, what I had thought about doing would be a a new it would be a whole new card type. And what it would essentially be is a category that could be used throughout every faction. I don't know what we would call it specifically, but it, what it would do is contain mini missions, right? And and it, you would have these mini plot points that you would have that you would pay points for. So think of it like an illicit, except for it's going to have a little plot card, that it, which could say, um, and, and this is something that will trigger throughout the game. And and again, I, saw, I apologize because I come from Star Wars Destiny and they introduce plots. And plots, in my opinion, were one of the big things that I felt was going to be like a huge benefit to that game. Um, so maybe we'll call for now. We're going to call them plots just because that's, that's my, my, my jam. But what you could do is you could offer, you could do a lot of different things. You could offer discounts if you create thematic pieces. So think of it this way. If I fly, um, like Luke, Leia and Han or whatever, all together, somehow I could get a, either a set of loadout points or I could get a discount on one of my ships or something like that. Then you could have a plot that would basically say if, you know, it, collect X amount of objective points within uh, the first three rounds. And if you do, you could get this bonus, you know, you could do take a bonus upgrade shot or you could like, there could be one where you could actually like recharge one of your non reconfigurable charges or something like that. So, but creating little mini missions that you could complete, that would be part of the game. They will not be something that you would accumulate, you know, time over time over time, but it would be something that would be a unique little card set that, could fly in any different faction and then you can make them, you can make faction unique ones. And again, I, like I said, I point out again, it would be fun to fly, um, you know, Luke, Leia, Han together at some point, right? Like, I don't think we can right now. Um, but you know, it would say, Hey, you get the discount. We need more objectives. I disagree with that. We need more. This these are not even objective pieces. These are just like bonus points and ways for you to, be able to do different things like and again if you want to run luke lay and han together right you can discount it so that they equal 20 points and then what you could do inside of there is say each one loses x amount of loadout or what you could do is eradicate all loadout points for them and then give them a pool of combined loadout points that is less than what they would normally have so i think normally um normally they would have what um i don't know like they have like 60 together all all three of those don't they 
I think they have 60 altogether. So you could just drop it down and say loadout value for all of these ships would equal, um, you know, 25 or 30 loadout points. And they could be shared across all of them um, for it. I think the other thing that we I would like to see is particularly on large ships is just more uh, something similar to like the National Pup, right? Uh, the ability to eject your pilot or even crew members um, over onto other ships that are nearby within a certain range. Um, I think that would be something that would be kind of cool to to see um, when a ship is going down. You know, you just do like an emergency deploy for that particular ship or crew, and another ship that has a crew slot can pick it up. That would be something thematic, I would say. That's cool. Here, let me hand off my 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 salvage crate. There you go. That's I like that. Give me get, let, let's hand off that salvage crate. Like, oh, I no longer want to carry this. Somebody else can. You know, yeah. JJ, something else that could be cool is uh, if you did have escape pods, you um, you had to get those off to your side, off your edge of the board when a ship does go. If you don't, then the other te- the other side can grab them, and that could be a, a different objective type thing yeah. where you have escape pods when a ship blows up and you have to get them to your side before the enemy snatches them or, or destroys them. Right. Um, that'd be kind of a, a cool thing. So. Awesome. All right. So why don't we move into tournament discussion? Because this is actually probably what our group was talking about a little bit. And, and, and Corey, Corey got to hear the brunt, the brunt of <laughs> my, um, got to hear the brunt of my, um, my dislike of the new format. So the tournament format for Gen kind of, and we're, we are going to talk price support too, because um, as much as AMG actually stepped in this time, um, price support was, we'll just put it this way. Dion, they should just hire Dion. Somebody should just pay Dion money to do this type of stuff for them. Like, like, I don't know what they're spending on all these other uh, events, but somebody should just hire Dio <laughs> because at least he has an understanding of what the community wants. Um, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, it, the, the prize support was insanely bad. So we will get to that, but that is not the biggest gripe that I have. And, and normally we call this a system malfunction, but I want to have a more well-rounded discussion about this. I, I don't want to just, um, I don't want to just go on a rant for an hour um, and, and not get to anything else. The other thing that we're going to do is we're going to make some recommendations, I think, uh, of, of how we feel it would um, fix it. So if you're friends with somebody from AMG and you want to um, share this portion of the podcast, we'll even not swear. So you can share it with AMG. <laughs> um, can you do that, Chris? Yes. Wow. <laughs> He's going to be sweating. He's going to be sweating. All right. All right. If I swear, (laughs) if I say anything that puts us over the PG-13 rating, I will gift a sub to somebody's channel of choice. There you go. At least he's wearing pants. So no swearing and (laughs) pants. I do have pants on. (laughs) Uh Um, Anyway. But um, so so, so let's go to the tournament format. So the big thing, the the two, two things that AMG wanted to dictate, one did not happen, the other one did, was X and 1. And the second thing that they wanted to do was, um, fuck you, three one. Fuck. Damn yep, it. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. You got you one. You know what? That, that goes right to Nick. Just All for right. that. Yes. <laughs> I guess I'm subbing to your channel after this, Nick. I don't know. I might already be subbed to your channel. I'll have to give the sub to somebody. 
All right. <clears throat> we could edit that piece out. Um <laughs> so they do they do, they determine they want to do X and 1, which again I I will say at first I was on board for if you, if you watch the show consistently, I openly stated that um that I I had been very pro that. Um the other thing that they wanted to do was run a six rounds tournament, even though they were only having 64 people. And, and that was a big, a big thing for them until the, I think they got in person and determined there was not enough people to run a six round tournament. So why don't we start there? And I don't know. I, I will not be the first one. Um, I will not be the first one. We'll let one of the two of you want to go and talk a little bit about your thoughts on AX and one style tournaments and then we'll go from there and in, in kind of into uh, the other piece that I mentioned. Sure. So I'll, I'll start off with this one there. So I think that the X and one style format for making cuts is okay in certain types of events. Uh, when you're dealing with like, you know, local store championships, you know, that's fine. Um, or even like a, like a store championship as well. Um, I'm oh, sorry, I just repeated that twice. Um, basically, anything that does not have to be aligned with like um, with like getting a world's invite um, probably shouldn't go that format because ideally, uh, if you're running like a, a local store championship or team type championship, um, then just to kind of reduce the amount of rounds that can possibly happen um, in the cut, it's a much easier way to to format it to that particular structure. And for those those types of events, that's okay. But when it comes to getting world's invites, um, especially if, you're, if you've publicly advocated that you want to open up the gates to allow more players to get access to worlds, I think that going the X and one route is definitely not the way to go. I think that um, even if you're trying to limit yourself to have only five rounds, which is what Gen Con did end up having, which was five rounds, you still should do a top 32 cut or even 64 just depending on the time uh, constraints they have for that event um, and of course player attendance for that event uh, it, it's just it, it's just a little more fairer that way um, for for more people to have the opportunity to go in and have that access Corey who I'll have to curb this a little bit talk too much but uh I I'll start by saying I first got into when I first got into X-wing. I went to Adepticon and went before all this. This is 1.0, and my biggest tournament I went to was Adepticon, and and it was amazing uh, to go there. And I felt like as I was playing, I constantly was like, "Where are my standings? Where am I going?" And it kept me playing. I, I was playing throughout the whole tournament as long as I could until you know I lost three times or something like that or whatever it was. Um, the Recently, I just went to Gen Con, and I will honestly say Gen Con was the worst experience I've ever had at a at a major competition um, in all my X-Wing playing. It's been, I don't know how many years. Um, <clears throat> I won my first one, lost my second one, um, and then the third one, uh, it was a close one and lost it. And after that, we were just like, there's no point in me being here. Um, I thankfully, uh, full transparency, my ticket was taken care of because I was helping out with a booth um, and my room and board was. But if I would have paid all that money to be there for that experience 
and realize that after that I'm done and I have no prizes, I have no nothing to draw me to keep me playing. That was just awful. And I, I felt that way having my room board paid for uh, and having my ticket taken care of. Um, I can't imagine somebody who took the time to travel and get there and paid that uh, with and had to deal with that because that would be awful. Um, I've heard the, the thing about people saying, hey, um, <laughs> people saying, hey, you know, it feels bad if you just missed it because you couldn't control your, um, your, your schedule. You couldn't control your opponents and what they did. My opinion, that's BS because it feels worse to just be like, you're just completely shut out. You have no chance. You have, you're, you're just done. Um, I'd rather wait to the end of the day and feel like I fought and played and I, maybe I pulled off some crazy wins and I rank, you know, put myself up and higher in the ranks and had a good time doing it. And there was a reason for everybody to stay versus, um, going in and saying, all right, I'm done. Uh, there's no point in me playing anymore. And there's no prizes to even work for it. It was awful. It, it just literally was like, I, I, I just was like, this is miserable feeling in my opinion. Um, and the other thing of it I've heard, and I, I know this is going to ruffle some feathers, but I don't care if it makes it easier for the tournament organizers to do X and one. That's not what this is about. This is about people, the players, going to have a good time at an event. If you're putting on an event, you should be prepared to take care of the players and to give them the best experience they can. I don't want to hear this is easier for us. To me, that's BS. You give us the best experience you can, and that means as many people as possible into there, into cuts, into getting prizes, feeling like you can keep playing. Um, this whole thing of the top of the top is all that gets to get enjoy it. That's crap. They already have more prizes than they know what to do with most of those people. And they have of them throw the stuff in a box and run away anyways. Like they don't care. So, um, yeah, it, it was, I'm, uh, I'm still salty. Uh, I didn't spew out as much as what Chris did, but, uh, um, I'm still salty with Gen Con. Like really, like I, I was like, I don't even know if I want to go to any major tournaments anymore. I got more prize support out of going to the east side in Detroit with some guys that put on an event. I had a great time. I got more prizes. I had more of a chance uh, of, of staying in it. Um, and that shouldn't happen at a major event. Yeah. And I think so. So, yeah, I <laughs> I don't have very good things to say about how the tournament was um, presented at Gen Con. I will say I think that the the streaming was great. I don't have an issue issue at all with how they handled the streaming. I will say that D was actually very excitable and very fun to be around. So mm -hmm. I was I was a little surprised because he, on his podcast he seemed a little salty and he seemed pretty worn out lately. But he came as a judge with renewed energy. He made jokes. I don't know all the time. And hey D, if you want to join the podcast, you're welcome to join. We could actually have a four and one discussion. Our X and one discussion too, but um for for the tournament format, you know D did very well judging this time, right? Um, so really my gripe is not with the people that handled the tournament. My gripe is is with the prizing, which we're gonna get to in a few minutes. I, I agree. I, I 
Surprising is a whole different discussion. And and, and Corey is right. The, they went to this thing on the east side. They got Gar Saxon lock tokens or something like that. And it's like, where in God's green earth did you get these? And it's like, oh, we got these because we went to the east side to like this 12-person tournament. I'm like, God damn it. Why didn't I go to that? You know, like, I want Gar Saxon lock tokens. Those are cool. And they were metal. They were like metal tokens. They're not like, they're not even like a, a cheap cardboard or anything. They, they were really cool type tokens um that we had that that they had so it's not like you were getting you know a car wire cut out of gurry that we can't even fucking fly oh there you go that slipped up twice now so it's official i have to donate a sub <laughs> to somebody um so and, and i agree Corey. i, I agree 100 this has to be about the players because the players are the people that are coming here to to work this the circuit right you know there's people that are going to multiple events working the circuit to some extent to get a world's invite. So we could talk about the world's invite piece in a second, which I will hundred percent shame AMG uh, outright. Um, I just like, I'm sorry, like that, the, the, the way they did world's invites and I don't care. Like I, again, I will complain until the day's end because if you have a world's with just like 50 people in it, is that really a world's t tournament? Right, if you have a world with a hundred people in it, is that a world's tournament? Give me a world with three, four hundred people. And I say this very selfishly, but at the exact same time, as somebody that understands on a business side, when you limit these interactions and these things to 50, 60, 70 people, you know what you're doing? You're you're cutting out cash. You're cutting out cash. You have made a statement of when we're gonna have a world's. You have made that statement. So if, let's just say there is 5,000 X-Wing players. You're, you should be striving for 5 to 10% of those to get into a world. You, you, you should not be looking at 1%. And I, I, I think personally, I feel 5,000 is a conservative estimate of how many people play competitive X-Wing. But I'm new to the community, so I will just I, I I don't know that as a factual number. But based on what I've seen and what I see on the online, uh, you know, tournament circuit, excuse me, worldwide we probably easily have a good ten to fifteen thousand people that play, right? And why are we not working towards bringing these people into a tournament to give their bloody money to somebody else that somebody else could just take this money and earn and, and, and use it to, to make a better game. Yeah. yeah. So that that's my, my feel about why I disagree with it. The X and one just limits that in the chat earlier, Greg pointed out that in, 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 in certain cut factions and when you don't have to have top cut and all these other things, X and one can be fine. And I'm going to use an example Brendan, the guy I went with, went three and two. I went three and two. Um, I was top eight of that day, right? Which I think overall I ended up top um, 24th or something like that. So the cut only went to 22. And, and if they had brought in at least top 10 of every day to have a top cut of 30, give two people the buy, you would immediately have more people in cut. Now, again, you're only playing for four worlds invites. But wouldn't it be fun instead of having a bunch of people with buys that we all had to be there at 7 a.m., tired, hungover, angry, yelling at each other? Wouldn't that be more fun for us to... to uh, I like sleeping in, but I would have gotten up and so would have Brendan, you know? Um, I, I don't know. It's like To me, it just feels like a little bit better 
um, a feel to get more people to feel like they're being valued. Because again, the Duncan Howards of the world, the Nathan Ides, you know, the the Nick Sperrys, whatever the, the the you know the Will Haywoods, they're still gonna win, right? They're still gonna. I'm I'm still gonna get eliminated turn one. But guess what? I'm here now. I'm here. If there had been side events, I would have walked right over and picked up a side event and played instantaneously. Yeah. Instead, I slept in. I got. Uh, it's Indiana. So I got drunk the night before and slept in. And that's what Brendan and I did. We just slept in. We played Dice Thrones with Corey. We slept in and did not uh, did not get up because we had no interest in being there early. Whereas if I had been in cut or more people had been in cut, I would have stuck around and sat there and cheered people on and watched and, and done all sorts of stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean, when you take a look at Adepticon, I mean, there was all sorts of side events that that was available to all the different players, even if you didn't make cut. And there was prize support to back that up as well. And you can easily sign up. And, you know, it, by by not offering those choices there um, to to attract more players to come and play those particular events, um, even casual players, you know, it, 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 you're limiting the potential that you you can expose your game out to newer and casual players um, who would want to go there just to participate for those events, um, to get that prize support, to make it feel like it was worth something and make them want to come back in the future to uh, come participate in those events again. Like, I, I remember, you know, I, I did pretty terrible at Adepticon, but I had a great time playing Aces High, the warm-up tournament, the, the the redemption tournament that we had after during the cut. That was a lot, a lot of fun. And I was able to play a different list, you know, and, and play with different people there and played some of the people that I already played in the previous tournament. And we just had a blast, you know, it was, it was low pressure. And we got uh, a lot of great support that uh, that Gold Squadron and AMG had supplied uh, to them as well for that event. And it was a lot of fun. And it, it reduced that amount of feels bad and made me want to come back and do that type of event again. And that that actually is what inspired our event for Pine Face Syndicate uh, when we had it back in July. I wanted to use that same format and make sure that everybody from the lower table to the high table went away with something, even though it was a low card uh, or a, um, an up uh, a custom card or something. So that way they didn't leave the event empty handed. You know, they, they felt um, that they gained something that they, yeah, even if they didn't make like the top. Yeah. Think about it this way. If AMG, if a redemption, redemption events were, were there, were, if we're all playing on Saturday anyway, or on that weekend, and there was a redemption event that had world's invites. How many people do you think would be playing that next day? A lot, a ton. Even if it was only two. Yeah, I would. Yeah, Corey would have had me up at. He would have been over at my. He'd have been texting me like, "You're getting up. We're gonna go for those world invites. Come on, we got a better chance because we got all the good players gone. Let's get rid of them all." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I know for me, uh, you mentioned Adepticon just recently. The the recent Adepticon that was probably the best experience I've ever had at a big event. Um, the amount of events that I participated in, the people that were there, um, you know, a bunch of us went down there. It was, it was a great time. I've never had such a good time at an event uh, as I did at Adepticon, uh, meeting everybody and, and kind of reacquainting with stuff, um, plus the events, like you said. And to be honest, after seeing what Gen Con was just like, I'm actually scared to death that the closest event we have, which is Adepticon, something that's been like, I look forward to that every year. I'm nervous that Adepticon is going to be a world's thing that if I don't go 
if I don't do the last chance qualifier on Wednesday or Tuesday or something like that, that the whole event is going to be useless to me to go. And I, that would be horrible to, to lose something that I've cherished ever since I've been playing X-Wing. Yeah. Well, and I agree with you. I mean, cause yeah, I agree that for me, it is, it is very close too. And, and like, I don't know. I mean, like, maybe Nick wants to host something at his local game store that if we, if we don't make the last chance qualifier that we could just go leave the con and play somewhere else. But it sucks because I'm going to be buying that four day pass, right? You're investing in a four day pass and yeah, it'll be cool to walk around and see some things, but it's not as big as Gen Con. Holy crap. Like not at all. Yeah. Um, Well, and that's Adepticon was a quarter of the cost as, as, as Gen Con. And it was to me 10 times the event. So that's that's something's wrong there. <laughs> yeah. So. so let's talk a little bit about like improvement pieces, right? Like so this this is I think there's a few things that we could talk through that could be improvement pieces that that could change some of that. So the the one feels bad we didn't really talk a little bit about, right? Is the the the, the one feels bad is if you got knocked out of cut going in or knocked out of going into cut by a 5 and 0 player. That was the other thing. Brendan experienced that. He was the lone 3-1 and one that fought a 4-0. The guy could have lost the game and both could have made cut, but the guy played the game, right? No no qualms with that. I, I don't want to get into that piece of it. That That's a whole different discussion for another day. But I want to talk about that piece of it is a very big feels bad. So Brendan had lost his fourth or his, you know, he, he was 3-1, and one, had lost his fourth game was doing very well the, the times before and then had to play a 5-0 a player who played a resistance list that just pretty much um, started to tear him apart. And um, the big thing about that is, is you could do a couple of different things. So the first thing is we could say anybody that is 4-0 in a 5-0 event, right? So if it's a five-round event, if you're 4-0, you immediately get a buy. You're done. You don't have to play your fifth game. They take you out of the cut. And we then get to allow the three and one players to all play each other. And then if you get paired down with the three and two player um, and the, or three, if you get paired down with a two and two player, right? It's not as bad as a big of a feel bad, right? You're, you're, you're not playing a, a player that has already made cut, right? You know, like that player is playing for a buy to sleep in. And I disagree 100% with that across the board. We should be filling these tournaments out. So there should have been nobody sleeping in. They hit 22 people, right? At, at Gen Con, 22 people. And how many people got buys and got to sit around, you know, and show up late. And, and I get, that's great. Like people like that. But to me, it just seems like, let's just, if you're going to do a top 32, let's do a top 32. Otherwise we should just cut it at a top 16 and say, sorry, you know, and that's the issue with X and one is it creates uneven cuts. There is no longer an even set of players. At all. So if you brought that out, Brendan would have been three and one and played other three and one, and it would have re- it changed all of the pairings around. And the, the funny thing is, Brendan probably would have got paired up with me, and then that would have been hilarious, like for the two of us to have to play each other for him to get in or not. But at least it would take some of that pressure out of it. And then it also gives that reward to that per- person who has, who has been perfect. They've been perfect that whole tournament. Like I get people want to play and, and, and let them play on the side. Then the two five and O's you go play each other. The third one, ha- just here, here's a free game of aces round and everybody gets, Oh, we didn't do tickets. Cause you know, it wasn't not to come, but everybody gets a small extra little prize for going 
five and zero. And I don't care. We could make it a prize and and give them a buy. I don't care. But for the five and zero player to knock somebody out a cut seems kind of like a feels bad um, to me. And you can apply this to either side of the the coin. So that was one of the ideas that I had kind of come up with. Anybody else have ideas for changes? I, mean, I, I really mean, liked liked your idea that you had mentioned. I, I'd, I'd be interested to try a tournament with it just to see how it how it played out uh, of pulling people who have made it out and just you know call it good. Um, you know, and again, I, I mentioned earlier. I still I still don't mind that if you're a top four and two, you make it. You know, like I I, I know with three days, it's a little more complicated because if if you're doing a top thirty two, the numbers don't add up perfectly. Um, but uh, I, I think there's a solution in there somewhere. But um, I, I still don't mind if it's it's just based on ranking too. So yeah, and I think you could do that. I think looking at it both ways, like we know the one way works, right? We know if we just do it based on ranking and X amount of people, we know that works. Like we, we've we've done that before. But if you so if you pull the others out, what would that have done to the tournament? And I think you're right. I think the only way to test that is to actually do it live, right? Mm-hmm. Other suggestions. The other question I had, right, is that the reason I I would, hang on, I'm trying to clarify my thought here. Um, I I do understand that they they divided the qualifiers for, um, you know, for the first three days, right? You had had three, you can go to one of the three days to qualify for the final that happened on Sunday. Um, I, I my guess is that they expected to have a higher amount of players to come in, and that's why they spread it out. Do you think that we would have had that issue of being uh, of that that inconsistent pairing with somebody who was undefeated to someone who was like one per, one loss away from being knocked out? If they would have shortened it into two days and have more players fill out both days, I think that I would agree. Yes, I think you would have less. I think you would have you would have less ability for that to happen. And I say that because one day nine people got into cut, one day seven, and one day eight. Right? I think that's how it worked out. Eight, seven, and nine, based okay. on each day. So you would have if you had combined everything, it would it would have been you would have, I think you would have, it would have been different. I think you would have ended up with a top twenty, if I remember right. I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, but I think it would have been a, a top 20. So you would have cut two more people out probably um, from it, but you would have had less uh, pairings for for that. That's, I, I mean, in my mind, you can do a top 16 for both uh, days, and then um, and then that gets combined into a top 32, which still equals out to five rounds on the final day, and you get you know that full participation for that final day for everybody trying to make it up you know to win the event. Um, I think that that particular way seems fairer and probably is less money that amg has to pay for for the event space if they're only needing to you know cover the event or that area for three days versus four days um i I think monetarily that just makes more sense but uh, i mean I, i i just without that piece of information of what AMG was expecting for each day for attendance for players. I think that they, they kind of expected to get more players in that way. But in the future, I think that it, it probably would have been better just to have the first two days for qualifiers and then combining both top 16s for the final uh, the final cut for the following day or the last day. And I'm going to throw out a crazy idea that I've been thinking about, and I don't know why they don't allow it because it would only benefit them. 
is why can't I do multiple qualifiers? Yeah. Why can't I do Thursday, Friday, and Saturday if I want to? If there's slots open, what what does it hurt if I do all three days? Um, it doesn't cause any more judging. It doesn't cause all it, all it does is mean they make more money, and it I have a chance of making it. At least then I can feel like if I spend all that money to go to this event, I if I can make it there on Thursday. And I didn't make it. I'll sign up for Friday. I'll sign up for Saturday. I think then they should give you a discount too. And say it's a ten dollar ticket. I don't even care if it's full price. Like I've already spent one hundred and fifty dollars going to Gen Con. Like what? At that point, if people want to pay it, let them pay it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that would at least be kind of interesting if you're like, man, my list just didn't do with the meta. Is kind of you know at this, I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to submit this one. And there's plenty of time to do it. And I, you know, it's a lot of games. Um, but, uh, you know, at least I would get my money's worth of the con- at the con because I have to pay for that ticket no matter what. Um, True. So. I think that would be a good idea, Corey. I still think I would argue going for a discount. If you bought in on Thursday, you get a discounted tickets. But um, I don't see why you they don't let you. Even like... Like for me, the difference would be is, oh, remember your seventh sister and what seventh sister does because seventh sister, that one game is what ruined my whole run. Yeah. You know, is that specific that just that literally that one round made the difference uh, in my my list, like winning and losing that. The so. other thing could be is um, if you've already got the judges there is having, in a sense, many last chance qualifiers. So let's say. Let's say they took, I don't know how many people per day, but on Saturday, um, if they knew how many they were going to roughly have, you could have a thing where anyone who's played on Saturday can do a um, a special event if you've already played to get those last couple spots um, would be another thing. So like it's a it's four people who have already been in the event uh, on Thursday and Friday, and you get to try again on Saturday if you want to, um, to fight for those last couple spots. Uh, something like that could be kind of interesting too. Um, just to yeah. give you a chance of like, Hey, we're the, we're the scrubs. Let's, let's have a scrub off. And <laughs> and whoever gets happens. in fills and rounds out that bottom half. I love yeah. that idea. Actually. I like that idea even more than letting you play multiple days. I think yeah. that actually should be a thing. Because so. that would that would allow you to fill it out, and, and you know, like AMG, that was the big thing is they didn't want they do they had a four o'clock cutoff, blah 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 blah. Hence, they didn't want to do this, but essentially, they had a top thirty-two to some extent. You had to play some people early to right. get this. Um, yeah, and you then actually look at the at the bracket that D had posted for the final day. I mean, they had at least three tables open that could have filled out those slots because they only had yeah. twenty-two players on the final day. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it takes a little bit longer to make sure you to go to time, blah, blah, blah. You could also you could also do, I don't know, there could be a lot of things you could do to shorten that first round up to if needed to get it to move faster. But the other option, and, and this this goes to, if you want to remain with the X and one format, hand out more worlds invites, right? So if instead of saying, um, we're, we're going we're gonna to keep an X and one because we want less players on the last day to be able to play top cut because we want it to be more elite. Let's hand out, and this is what Dion does, and and I guess so. I'll steal this a little bit from Dion, per se, and say it needs to apply to Worlds invites. So if you gave out and said, 
top eight or top ten of every day got world's invites, but only X and one got to play in cut for the fancy prizes. I'd be okay with that too. I still would like to play in top cut, but it would it would at least make it be a little bit more of a fields um good, especially for all the money we spent going to Gen Con, if I were able to do that. Right? Because I would I would have gotten a world's invite. Brendan would have got a world's invite and then whoever was below us that barely missed it too would have gotten a world's invite as well. And that'd be three more people that would have gotten those invites. And it doesn't cost AMG anything to give out world's invites. All it means is we're going to come spend more effing money on, at worlds. That's what that means is we're going to come spend money at worlds to hang out and play and do X-Wing stuff with you. You know, especially if you have a new scenario that you're going to release around that time, FFG or AMG. Hello? Guess who wants to come a day early and play the new scenario before anyone else gets to? This guy does. Who wants to for who wants to make JJ come play crazy lists for a day? I, duos. I love duos. That was a great experience. That was actually the most yeah. fun I had. More than Aces High was duos. Yeah. That's because I got to play with um with God Dale Dale Cromwell. Was it Dale, Dave? I don't know. Whatever the Crom, well, the one of the Cromwell guys from overseas. We got to play on the same duo. It was fun. It was fun. I liked it. I had fun. That that guy is effing hilarious. By the way, he's hilarious. Just as an <laughs> FBI. he was very fun to play with. Um, anyway, but if you gave that, you would have more people sticking around. Like Corey going one and two, he still could win his other two games. You could have continued to play if you knew you had a possibility of getting a world's invite, but not making cut. Everybody, people would have stuck around longer. Yeah. And that's without even having to do with what Dion did and hand out tickets every round and, and all these other crazy things. I mean, Dion really like went out at Adepticon. Like I felt spoiled. That was my first large convention I'd been to for X-Wing. And I felt very spoiled and I felt very, um, tr very mistreated. <laughs> I guess <laughs> this, this time around personally. Um, so. so also, uh, Isofan asked the question of who determines that. And if I'm understanding things right, and I could be wrong, so feel free chat to correct me, but I'm pretty sure, uh, it was, uh, Dion and D, uh, that wanted to do X and one cause it was easier. Um, and I know, uh, Chris, uh, Allers was, or yeah. Right. From crazy. Alan. Alan. Chris Allen, yeah. Uh, he's the one that started, I think he did a whole thing on this whole X and one thing about why this is the way tournaments should be. Um, there was a podcast, I think, on Fly Better that they talked about it, and I, I, it ruffled my feathers then, and it still ruffles my feathers now. He's a great guy. They're all great guys, but um, I feel like it's a lot of this makes it easier for us, and that's kind of the mentality that it's shifted to. Because uh, AMG actually posted something earlier that they were going to do playoffs where they're going to take the top 10 and then all there was going to be two people from each day that had to do some Saturday event uh, to play off to see who made it in the cut. That was the that original cool. format. And it was a little confusing the way they wrote it. Um, but their original intent was to fill it to a full top 32 and the powers that be that were kind of judging and, ha and handling everything, I believe said we want to do X and one, which ended up with 22 people or whatever, making it to cut and 10 people didn't get to play that, that could have. So, and they still had to get up early. Yeah. So, 
And, it, and guess what? I love all three of those guys. And again, I'm not throwing shade on any of those people as people or as ex, as the community. I don't like the philosophy that they're that they seem to be behind. If I'm understanding everything correctly, uh, with this X and one thing, but that's that's not a a slight no. on them as people. I, I think I think if you think about it, Corey, if we look at it, and and then I kind of want to move on to some list building stuff because I think that's kind of fun. If if you think about it, none of this, this is never going to be a critique of an organizer or even AMG or anything like this. I mean, I will throw a little shade at AMG for not just being solidified in what they want, right? It seems logical to me that they just make a dictation and we follow it just like we did with the new format. Um, I, I feel that they should do that. But I think the thing is, is it's everybody loves the game and they want to create the best space for the game. And we all have differences of an opinion. Um, here and there, I'm probably more vocal and swear a little bit more than other people do um, about it. And you got the brunt of my um, why this is BS that Brendan and I didn't make it, especially Brendan. The, the feel bads was more for him than it was for me um, because that's a guy that just joined X-Wing. That's a guy that like has spent, I don't know, two months critiquing a list to play every week and getting it's funny. He was getting hammered in our local group and then went there and went three and zero right away. And it's like, there you go. That's really good. And in his list performed very well, he, he knew what he was doing. Um, and, and he just is a kind of a little bit of a feels bad under that, that scenario option, you know? Um, whereas if we had been in the old format, he would have been able to make cut, you know, I, and I do want to jump in actually to, I am kind of a very much in support of AMG and I, and I'll, I'll throw this out there for them to jump in and do organized play to the fullest extent, I don't think they're prepped for that and ready for that. I actually appreciate that they reached out to Gold Squadron and other groups to help run these events because they have the experience with X-Wing. Um, to me, that's actually a incredibly smart choice to say, hey, you've run a tournament before, do this for us now. I think the problem that they in my opinion, that they ran into is they didn't set the expectations of what they want the tournament to be. In the original rules that they had for who was going to qualify, to me, it gave a glimpse of, we want to get as many people in as we could, but they didn't back that up with, hey, make this happen. You guys figure out how to get 32 people on day, you know, the second day um, into the event. They didn't kind of push that. And so I feel like that's where AMG kind of failed is not by enforcing, we want 32 people in the cut, um, according to their original side of things. But I do want to say, I think it's actually brilliant for them to take on the people that have been running and playing X-Wing for longer than you know their company's even been around uh, and saying, hey, help us out with this. We want our community to be a part of this, right? So for us to fault AMG because of that, I think is a little bit crazy. We, we want AMG to be taking a part or being a part of the community and the community to be a part of where this game goes. Um, and we can have these discussions, right? We're not on the same page as some people, and that's fine. But um, I'm glad that they don't just say, this is what we're doing, screw you all, and, and we have you know no part in it. So Fair enough. All right, so I think that's enough tournament discussion. Let's talk list building, right? I think list building is one of the key features of X-Wing. 
And I think that's one of the things, like, when we talk about, you know, like, why do we love the game? Yeah, well, it's dials. Yes, it's that. I, I agree with everybody. Yeah, dials are great. Um, but at the same token, I love list building, even though I'm not very good at it. Um, and I love the fact that we get to do these things and talk through what these things mean to us and to everybody else. Um, so I'm going to real quick. There's a few things that I wanted to cover, right? I think when we talk about list building, we have a component set. There's a set of different types of components that fit into list building. And then I probably have about 15 questions I want to ask everybody, um, which we probably won't get to all of them, but I, that's kind of how I want to run this. So when we talk about list building and uh, we're going to go around the table, what does list building mean to you? And how do, what do you recommend to other players when it, when we comes to list building? We're going to start with Corey. Boy. Um, I mean, it, it, I guess it's a little bit different whether it's be me or, or whether I'm trying to help somebody. Um, if I'm trying to help someone, I usually ask them, you know, what what things do they like to be aggressive? Do they like to be, you know, uh, very technical? You know, what kind of player are they? Especially if they're new, obviously, then it's more of a simple list. But um, so it it's tough when I, I don't know who I'm building a list for uh, or, or helping out. Um I know with me, when I build, my number one thing is I have to have ships that I really like. Uh, if if my rule is, if it's if there's only one ship on the board, am I do I like flying that ship? If I don't, then typically it, it's out unless it's a really really cheap one. Um, my second rule is I don't fly metal lists. I I hate flying things that are known. Uh, and so that's usually my second rule is making sure that I build something that is different than um, kind of what's being out there. <clears throat> and it's not necessarily about just, <clears throat> excuse me, countering what's out there, but just doing something different people haven't expected or haven't seen um, is kind of a, a, a part two of what I'm building. So if I answered your questions. Yeah. Yeah. JJ. For me, uh, one of the things that I, I consider here is um, the physical aspect of it, right? Like, what exactly do I have physically available to me that I can fly, right? If I'm a newer player and I only have a few, um, a few like ships and upgrades available, then at that point I'm limited right off the bat by what what I can build for that list. Um, for me personally, I own pretty much everything for X-Wing, all factions and stuff, so I'm not really constrained by that. Um, so typically when I'm going for like different components that I want for list building, um, I'm looking at, um, at different archetypes. Now, this is something that I kind of went through early on when I was starting to play competitively for X-Wing, was trying to fill, find like my niche, like what, um, what styles of list that I prefer, and then build off of there. Um, I, I kind of did do a little bit of meta wing to see what, uh, what lists were doing well and really for the fact of like trying to understand how they worked, um, and then trying to use some of their qualities or some of their synergies and apply them to my lists, um, in different factions and see if I can get that kind of same synergy for it. And early on for me, what really worked for me were four ship, uh, four ship builds, uh, that were, 
that could do a little bit of everything and kind of respond to everything across the build. And as long as I had those components available to me, then I can go from that archetype and then start building off of that. And that'll be my building block to start off building the list. All right. So we're going to take a quick break real quick and from the list building. And I apologize. We're going to bring in a special guest because there's a new initiative that has kind of come out that has to do with uh, tournament prep, right? And so what I want to do is, is we'll take like five minutes and kind of introduce it. And then that way, everybody kind of knows what it is. And I apologize. I was supposed to bring them in before, before, but you know me. So. All right. So looks like we have an isophane. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Planning Face Syndicate. How are you? Good. How's the audio? I'm on my cell phone, so not quite sure how the audio is com coming in. You're, you're, do you're, you're fine. You, we can hear you. Okay. So perfect. Isophane has put together a special um, initiative with Hexiled. And what we wanted to do is we, were, we wanted to have them on just to kind of introduce it, to give a little shout out to for what it is. That way, for anybody that's listening that wants to participate in it, can go ahead, get into it. So Iso, go ahead. Why don't you introduce your initiative? Okay. So basically, you know, you guys were talking about worlds uh, and invites earlier. And... The biggest thing for me when I talk to people, at least especially people from outside the U.S. where travel costs can be prohibitively expensive, is that it it really sucks to earn an invite and then not be able to attend Worlds due to financial hardships or just, you know, the cost of travel. So I wanted to really try and help everyone around the world, U.S., Europe, Asia, uh, South, you know, South America, Africa, anywhere in the world just to try to fund a little bit of their cost to come to Worlds. So that's why I started this uh, ISO plane initiative, kind of play on words there. <laughs> and my goal is I've got a budget set aside. And I um, on the Hexile Gaming's website, they have, if you find the um, ISO plane initiative uh, subsection, you can fill out a form and basically ask for a travel stipend or, you know, for, oops, sorry, for a second, my, oh, I'm holding the baby at the moment. Um, yeah, just ask for a travel stipend. So you can ask for help with uh, airfare, hotel, room and board, whatever it may be. Um, I'm trying to focus on people that have a world's invite first. So people that earned the invite within the last two or three years um, that are still valid, uh, put your information in there, how you, how you want it. Um, and then after that, I'm going to try and focus on people who are uh, community leaders. So people who run podcasts, do streaming, do uh, organized tournaments for their local groups and such uh, things such as that. And that's my next group of people I want to bring in. So, and the other thing also is you don't have to do it for yourself. And though, cause sometimes asking for money can be a bit of a touchy subject for people. So if you know someone in your play group, your community, that's like a really awesome person, awesome character, you know, kind of like this, our group wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this person, people like that, that you think deserve a, a trip to go to worlds because that's that can be a dream you know like we call it a bucket list topic for a lot of people um you know you can you can nominate them you can recommend them tell me why you think they deserve a trip to worlds and at the end um i'm my deadline is i think the first week of november i'm going to review all the applications see how much money i have in the pocket and then basically start sending money out to people so that they can purchase those tickets get those uh you know the hotel is booked and everything, so they can make it to Worlds at Epticon next year. Um, I'm also, if you want to help me, I, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm a couple of people are helping me. They're doing some fundraisers to basically add to my add to my bank. 
Um, I'm also taking any donations if you want to help support the cause and basically make, sorry, make worlds for everybody, you know, make so that everyone can come and we can all get me together, drink beer and play X-Wing and roll some dice. Absolutely. Yeah, it sounds awesome. And I think that's one of the first things we've seen in, in this community to, to happen. And I, I really appreciate your, your willingness to help out the community in any way you can. Yep. And it's as simple, like I said, check out Hexile Gaming website. Um, later on, I, I, I'm really bad with, this, with names. I think it's Louis Leong. Uh, I think he's from Europe. He is making some metal objective token markers. And um, they'll be colored with a little uh, GR75 on there. And those will be for sale. And any, any, all the proceeds from that are going to get added to my fundraiser. Um, so if you want to support it, you can you know, either donate or buy those metal tokens. Uh, they're not available for sale yet. He's still working on the design and production. That's going to take a little bit more time. But you can fill out a web form that says if you're interested and he can kind of gauge uh, how much to produce at that with that interest. Yep. Awesome. And if we, if we get um, selected to be one of the streamers for XCC, what we will do is we'll set up that link for a donations directly to you and promote it throughout the uh, XCC finals here in the next two weeks. Absolutely. Yep. Well, cool. Well, thank you, Isofane, so much. We just wanted to have you on real quick. We want to talk about it. It's exciting. It's part of the 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 way that we can positively change X-wing for the better. Um, even though we want to complain a little bit about the X and one, <laughs> at least this uh, this this will help ease some of that for those that um that that need it. So if you if you would like to make sure you go nominate somebody. So I know somebody in our local play group that I'm going to be nominated. Um, people that that definitely would like to go that may not be able to afford or want to spend the money. Uh how that is so thank you isofane so much and uh if you ever want to come back on let us know or send me an email or tell me whenever we have the fundraisers we'll make sure we promote those as well all right thank you all right cool take care guys yep take care Iso. thanks yeah. all right all there right. we go thank you sorry about that we'll edit that, that was great yeah, that was it, absolutely great. Was great that's amazing so yeah i i, I would love to like one day, uh, like during Worlds, just have all these these players that came in um, for the ice the Isoplane Initiative to come in and just have a drink, and with all these players that come in from from all around the world, and you know, just have a drink and just have a great time. That'll be such a great experience to to do for Decathlon. Assuming that we can find a place that's open past ten o'clock. So <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's why we got to get a big Airbnb that has like a like a big downstairs, so you could just come have a drink in yeah, right, in, in, in an Airbnb <laughs> instead of yeah. having to go to a bar. There's yeah, there's nothing in Chicago in that area of Chicago that wants to stay open late. Yeah. That's a whole different discussion. We had that discuss we had that discussion like six months ago. So if you want to go back and check out our six months ago episode, we we talked all about our our Adepticon experience, and I'm sure. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it, um, you know, as we get closer this upcoming year. So back to list building, though. So so I agree with both of you in terms of what is list building mean to us? You know, what do we want to accomplish with it? And I think like Corey was saying is you got to know your audience. Right. And I think that's the biggest, biggest component. Right. Is are you working towards only playing what you own? Right. Or is it an online game and you don't care? Um I own too many things, except for I don't own a BIS stand. So there's no way in God's green earth I would ever be able to fly a YT-2400 because I don't own one. But so Corey never built me a list for that. But he knows that because I hate I hate Dash with such a passion. It's not even funny. I don't even want to see him come back in the game. He can just die for all I care. 
Side note, I, I really want to get like a Tanner's list of hated upgrades and pilots, and I, I just want you to number them from like most hated <laughs> to least. And right. as new cards interactions come out, we'll have to like like make you rank them and see like which one is being demoted or increased just based on your new interactions because that's hilarious to me, man. <laughs> we could we could do that for a Patreon only show. There, maybe that's what we should do. We'll do a Patreon only show where Tanner just goes off on a rail about every pilot he hates. <laughs> and every upgrade card. Ne Neonub is up there. Neonub, yes. Torkoal. I really don't. I had to. I had to watch it anyway. We're gonna keep moving. Um, <laughs> keep moving. So I think that's that, that's the the big thing. And, and are you are you looking to play for fun? Are you not looking to play for fun? Really, that's kind of um, you know where where you're going with it. Because like, Corey will build me lists when we talk about being competitive, right? And and we'll we'll say, hey, I feel this will work, or I feel this will work. But if I'm in the mood to just do something fun. It's a whole different mindset. I'm going to be running a gauntlet at that point. Though there was a gauntlet that did make top cut at, you know, at Gen Con. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe gauntlets are so good and we just are undiscovered. Um, they just need time. Yeah, they need but, time and, and practice to, to make it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think that's kind of where when we look at the different components, that's one of the big components. Do you want to play something niche? Do you want to play, um, you know, do you want to play competitive? Do you want to play for fun? I will tell you running two gauntlets in separatists is pretty bloody fun. I don't care what anybody says. It is pretty <laughs> bloody fun. And you could ask, you can ask Corey. I'm pretty sure I didn't win more than one out of like the four games I played with them, but they were fun to run two gauntlets versus two decimators. And I'll just let you guys just slam into each other. So actually <laughs> let's, let's go, let's go baby tomorrow. I'm bringing both my gauntlets. I bought two gauntlets specifically to run two of them in separatists. Ridiculous. 14 points. That still leaves me with six points for droids or two bombers, whatever I want. Or Grievous. And give you a free point. Probably won't do that. It's cowardly. It is not cowardly to run two gauntlets, Greg. You cannot say that now. You don't like no, it when it was, I run two fire sprays. Yeah, it was fire sprays. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's fine. I will admit I am cowardly if that makes you feel better. So That's what you get for subbing to the stream today. There we go. <laughs> I will admit I'm cowardly for running two fire sprays, but I, let's be fair. I've ran two fire sprays since I first started playing. Just to be fair, that was the first set I ever, I ever ran. You can clip it, baby. Clip it and put it on your channel. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about actually about list building too, right? So, what are some of the, um, what are some of the methods that you use when you want to build to twenty points, right? So let's talk through the process. So Corey. When you're sitting down to build a list, right, and you're like, okay, I'm going to build a list for um, JJ. I know JJ likes every faction. Um, he's really obsessed with rebels and throwing bombs, and he can't do that anymore. <laughs> so how can I get JJ a list that's similar to that? So what are, what are kind of some of the steps that you go through when you look to build to 20 points? Yeah, when I when I look at it, um, I think my favorite list type that I usually try and and start with when I'm talking with people is having a ship that can kind of be on its own and then having somewhere around two to three ships that can fly together is kind of some synergy uh, is typically where um, my list will fall into. Um, I flew one literally just today that was kind of very similar to that with three ships that kind of work together and, and another one that was meant to kind of be more of an ace on the side. Um, and I usually start in that kind of range. Um, I've never been a, a dual fire spray type person. So um, I like, 
as JJ said, four ship list is kind of my uh, starting point. I have a list that's five, but I don't go any more than that. And I usually don't go any less than three uh, substantial ships, not throwing out a droid just because you have extra points. Um, and when I look at a list, the other thing I, I really try for is making sure that it's not um, something that if one piece gets removed, the whole list is just falls apart. I hate those kind of lists. Um, so I like to have lots of options so that you can do different things. So like uh, K2SO crew for Rebels, for instance, you mentioned Rebels, is one of my favorites because you can do two different things with that card. Uh, you've got a mod that you can give. You can also do a white jam, which most people forget about that you can jam uh, with K2SO. Um, so looking for for toolboxes, I think is something that um, I think my list typically lend themselves heavily towards that of having lots of different things. I can go heavy offense, heavy defense, support. Uh, kind of mixing that stuff all around. And um, I think that allows you to kind of deal with different situations. And I think probably JJ is very similar to me in that where we we like those toolbox lists uh, where there's some beef and you can take the take some hits, but you also have a lot of different options to be able to do things with lists, with your pieces. Uh, it's not all just alpha strike. Those are boring to me. Um, I don't like all just ace play either because I find that that's, running that knife's edge so i kind of like a you know some beef with a little bit of ace so yeah or you could just run a lat with uh anakin it seems lats with anakin just do everything anakin i think anakin just kills everything i guess <laughs> um so i think that's interesting that's interesting jj how about you where, where, where do you start so for me um if I'm playing, if I'm setting up a list to like, uh, let's say play for like a, like a tournament, right. Um, and something that I do for myself, just because I, I own everything and I want to make sure that I use everything I can. Uh, one of the mantras that I have is that I never play the same faction in a row when I'm going for like tournaments. So like my last tournament, no matter what it is, if I play rebels, then I have to play something else. That's not that. So that's, that's yeah. my selection process for, um, for like choosing my faction. Right. Um, earlier in the earlier in my times when I was still collecting stuff, the only thing I had was original trilogy. Uh, so it would be like Rebel, Empire, Scum, and I would just go in that order. Um, but once I have my faction selected, then I'm looking for um, something that could fit in that archetype that I had, right? Um, those utility lists. And not every faction has the same type of availability in pilots um, to, to fill that type of utility list. Um, so then you have to think about other types of archetypes that um, that can fit that. Um, so when you look at Scum, uh, something that me and you came up together, the double fire sprays, um, that uh, that was an archetype that I used quite a bit in 2.0 and in 2.5. It got even better, I would say, just because you have the ability now to add on a support ship, which we use Kanan um, to help support those two fire sprays. Um, that helps make those two ships more effective um and you you have different utilities for them one is more of a long range type of attacker the other one is more of a close range type of attacker and you it's about making your opponent make different um like difficult choices um you do have other archetypes in scum and i'm picking on scum specifically for this one 
where you have enough points to put in uh, some heavy hitters and some support ships. Uh, particularly, there's one that um, that I, I played against uh, that Crispy played against me once, uh, which was a an electroproton bomb list uh, that included Iman and Zeman with uh, with Manaru, um, as well as uh, oh my gosh, Gamut Key and a fourth ship I forget. Uh, but uh, it, it was that similar type of, of archetype where you had a heavy hitter, a support ship, and then another one that can do a little bit of everything. And that um, it, it's about making those points fit and trying to be as efficient as they can for the points that you're you're investing into that ship. So that does dictate what type of um, the amount of loadout that you can get to help maximize that particular ship's role in your list is a very, very big deal. Right, because if you're investing seven points in a fire spray, are you picking one that can do well on its own uh, with the loadout points to help back it up and expand it, like Iman? Or if you're already picking Calf Scarlet, who has a lower amount of points but has a higher initiative, and her ability doesn't really trigger because you're not really taking generics with you, right? Are you paying the points just for that initiative? So that's where you start making those choices. Well, and I think I think that brings up an in interesting piece right you know like we we talk a little bit about loadout versus initiative versus um you know points cost for ships right so boba's nine but gets what 22 boba's a 22 loadout ship i think or is he 23 he's 23 i gotta hold on i'm gonna look now i guess i have the stupid thing up i can just look can i Yep. So Boba's twenty-two. So so that brings up like an interesting piece, you know, or, or an interesting part of the discussion, right? Um, think about it this way, right? If Boba's worth nine and you get twenty-two loadout, do you ever consider loadout when it comes to picking a ship, right? Or is it based more on what fits and then loadout second, right? And so, for example, in our fire spray list, JJ, I won't lie and say that the majority of this is based around Boba. Boba is the main centerpiece of that list. It just yeah. it is. And um, then then it's what can I fit in there that can do damage, is easy to run, and all of those other things, right? And Boba's easy to run. Eamon's easy to run, you know, because they're fire, dual fire sprays. And Kanan is your support ship that comes in. When we pick Eamon, we did not consider loadout point values because Eamon does not have the most loadout point value out of all those fire sprays. We picked Eamon for the specific ability, right? And it's because we wanted a different type of off offense. And it's funny because if you if you know me, I like weird, intricate, like weird type lists. And I guess I never really got into that when we talked about components. But for me, I'm I want something that's crazy different than just point and shoot, point and shoot. Um, and I have always liked bombs and I know Corey hates bombs with a passion. Um, and some of that's probably my fault, but, um, you know, like the, the bomb piece of that is, is unique to me. And I feel that's a unique aspect of X-Wing that doesn't violate a lot of the principles like fucking Dash Renard does, you know? Um, and so when we built this list, we didn't actually think about, Oh, okay. What other, 
pointed ship with high loadout points could fit in here. We said, what other mechanic would work good to offer a dual threat to the opponent? So now the question comes all the way back after that long ramble that says, do you look at, do you look at ship loadout points? Is that ever like a thing or is it almost always based on the actual ship that you want to fit in your archetype? Go ahead. Cole. Um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you I'm just pick you are. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think a, for me, uh, I do look at loadout points and, um, as a key point, because a lot of the factions I fly, uh, they have a lot of ships that are that are the same uh, point value. So I love resistance. Uh, if if I was to to pick one faction, that's all I could fly, it would be resistance. I love the T seventy. It's probably my favorite ship, one of my favorite ships in all Star Wars. Um, and so with T seventies, uh, like. I fly very odd choices. Um, I don't fly Nia Num or, yeah, Nia Num, uh, which everyone <laughs> tells me I should be. I fly Elo because Elo is one of my favorite ships, and his loadout points allow me to do things that I can do. Plus, he's got a great pilot ability. Um, and then I also, as my second T70, I fly Temen, uh, the Boosty Temen, which I've flown that ship for since 1.0. Um, it is one of my favorite ships. It's it's an amazing uh, piece, I think. And so I choose those because pilot abilities, but also the loadouts give me exactly what I want uh, out of those ships. I look at Nia Num, and I don't get what I want. For for the same points, Nia Num doesn't give me what, what I get with Elo. I, I get the uh, R6D8. I get Heroic. I get uh, HLC. Um and dead eye shot, I think, is is what I've got on it. Um, and it can't fit that with any with with Nian Num because uh, he has to have pattern analyzer and stuff. So um, I do look at loadout points pretty heavily. I was just building a scum list. You mentioned those, and uh, I pick Cath uh, Scarlet because I can get the loadout I want, the the pieces I want in her in the fire spray, um, and she's got the most load out of all of them, which gave me the pieces I needed to do the things I wanted to do. So um, I do heavily look at loadout, uh, but it's typically driven by theme before then, especially with my T70s. Uh, I have no love for Nia Num, but Elo and Temen are, are my besties. So, uh, And yeah. I will tell you, I like Temen ever since. I, I never knew Temen, like I never paid attention to the ability to do the boost thing, never did. We had that on stream today. So good. Just so just so good. And how often are you doing a two to four maneuver with an X-Wing? Almost all the all time. All the time, yeah. Like, Temin's ability, I think in our game that we streamed earlier, triggered every round but the first round. I think the first round is the only round they didn't trigger it. Other than that, it triggered like every round. You would have been yeah. proud, Corey. Yeah, he's he's almost as fast as a... And I will check that out. Um, he's almost as fast as an A-Wing, but can punch super hard so um fantastic ship <laughs> yeah if you like snap you'll love a-wings yes that's what navi says in the chat <laughs> you need to give a-wings some love man they're too expensive yeah so. yeah absolutely now for me i i do agree in the same like vein um that loadout points do matter but i think it depends on the faction there are certain factions that loadout values aren't as 
as necessary uh, um, rather than other factions. And, and I'll cite a specific um, example. Uh, because the lack of different options in the sequel trilogy and the prequel factions, um, the original trilogy factions don't have that same problem. Um, if you're looking to fill out, uh, if you're looking for like a five or four point ship in Rebels or an Empire, you have a plethora of different options available to you where you can kind of pick and choose what you want to add on to your list for that same um, ship cost. And then from there, if you like that particular pilot and it fits with what you're trying to do, then at that point, you're looking at loadout values and see what you can do to see if that they're, if they're going to be effective with the points that they have available to you. And if they can, that's great. Um, and you can keep that, that uh, particular ship there um, for that cost. You're looking uh, when you take a look at like the separatists, for instance. Um, you take a look at uh, at your list, like for instance, one that I've been running recently is um, uh, Previsla with uh, General Grievous, and that leaves me with six points. Or sorry, with eight points that I can fill in my list, and I have to make the decision: Do I want to try to do two um, two uh, bombardment drones and a vulture or do i go with four vultures right because of the loadouts and what i can get on it so at that point because there's really no other useful option for me and what i'm trying to accomplish with that list i'm almost always going to the vultures because i want to have as many bodies as possible for what i want in that list and really there's nothing other in that faction that can fill that role um like the the vultures can uh, so I almost always tend to go for that extra ship because um, it, all I really need is Discord missiles, and I'm set for for those particular ships. Sure, I mean I do add in um, DFS uh, for right. um, for that that little extra ability that he that can be useful sometimes. But even if I didn't have him on it, it doesn't really affect my choice to go for like a regular separatist drone that has three less points because the ship itself can only really take a missile slot uh a mod slot which is always going to be independent calculations and the struts and they have nothing else to really fill out those points so in that case it doesn't really make it doesn't matter what kind of loadout value that particular drone has because i can already fill its slot with something that's going to be useful for me in that case so it just it just depends on the faction Oh, Greg's right. hating my list. What's that? You hate the other. Yeah, so Corey sent me a list. Thought we'd bring it up, kind of talk through some of these questions I have, right? So, so you know, when we talk about, like, separating separating out pilots, there's an A-wing in here for Nobby. Corey specifically put that in there for Nobby only. That's the <laughs> only reason that he put that in there. I flew other that today, it's... so that was before this. Okay. We're, we're on the same page, though. <laughs> well, Nobby prefers resistance A-wings over... Rebel A wings every day of the week, which I would agree with, except for resistance A wings for five points don't do what Ahsoka can do. So it kind of seems a little silly that maybe, maybe we leave the generic A wings in resistance up high and like lower some of the cost of the other A wings. So we see a few more A wings in play. I don't want to see a A wing meta where all you run is six bloody A wings, please. That's that does not sound like any fun <laughs> in resistance to me. Um, you can have four A wings then, Nobby. Nobby, the Nobby's allowed to have four A wings. That's it. No, no, no more. Everybody else can have five. Um, but anyway, so Corey sent me a list. So we, as we talk through some of these things, I think it, it makes a little bit more sense. And um, he picked Rebel, I swear, just because I hate Rebel so much. 
Um, but the, on a positive <laughs> note, there is no there is no bistain in here, so there's that, and there is no um, dash render in here either. So that kind of works out. So when we talk through this list, Corey, what was the idea behind bringing this list up? Like, what 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 do you want to get into next when it talks about or when we come to list building? So I think this list was a goal of creating a list that um, had my my flanking, my ace, and then it had some beef, or actually a lot of beef in this case. Um, and also uh, realizing that when you've got a lot of health, if you can keep it alive, you're you know in with only having four or five rounds of combat um it's 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 great and so this was something a little bit cheeky and everybody jokes about like gonk droids being stupid um and i was trying to figure out if there was a way to actually utilize them and and i could obviously um switch it out for probably magma yarrow or something like that would probably be more intelligent uh but i did want to give it a try and so in this list um every ship in here is a support ship as well as a heavy gun. Um, every ship in here is giving extra actions uh, out to other ships. And so any one of them can die and the, and the list can still do lots of extra things. Um, so looking for double mods, um, looking at, you know, uh, you know, during combat, um, I actually triggered uh, K2SO off of Kraken to strip uh, of uh, reinforce off of a uh, fire spray. Um, so in during combat jamming um, or target locks. Um, so when I talk about a jack of all trades and kind of having all these capabilities, um, I, I brought this list up because it's it's just one of those things that's off the beaten path and it has a ton of tools. Um, you know, one round, I just held everything. My big ships just sat because they can all do a zero stop, but they don't lose agility if you use Leia. So they all just sit there, um, take their mods and pass everything around. And there's, you know, three three ships with force crew. Um, so it's... And you love your force crew, don't you? I do. I but do. not two forces. Don't give them two force. No, not two. Um <laughs> And so I'm sure people looking at this would have a ton of ways that they would change this up and, and mess with it. But um, the the idea was having extra, like, like more actions than you almost need, uh, double modded shots and ships that wouldn't die um, to an alpha strike or to heavy hitting. Uh, and to be honest, the with the gauntlet, if you wanted to during combat, you could actually regen a shield every round if you wanted to with Kraken next to them. Uh, cause Ezra can charge the gonk and then Kraken can trigger it, but Ahsoka can do it. And so can saw can trigger it, uh, with a coordinate and he's got the force. So if he coordinates, it doesn't matter. He still has a mod. So, um, as much as people laugh at gonk, for instance, in this case, if you have a gauntlet that regens three shields, that's going to be a sad day. If you go shoot at that thing, plus it's got notorious, and so you're taking strains as well, and it's getting re-rolls re from it. So the idea was to create a gauntlet that you didn't want to shoot at, and if you did just try to, it's just going to regen back up, and that's seven points that's just a monster seven points that you're not touching. Uh, Ahsoka is super hard to kill. You can kill Kraken. That's fine. He's three points. And then you've got Saw, who 
uh, U-Wings, I think, are one of the sturdiest ships in the game, especially when you back them up with, you know, a force crew as well. So <laughs> A mall um, force crew of all crews, too. Yeah. Exactly. So it was intended to be something that, that wouldn't die, that was the ships I like to fly and fun. And uh, this killed Cad Bane in one round, um, the list did. So you hit him with the mag pulse, hit him with the plasma, hit him with Ezra, and you've got a dead Cad Bane. Um, so it was it was kind of a toolboxy list as well that was pretty fun. So, and I think this kind of goes into when we talk about what has to make cut, what does that make cut? Are you are you are you deck? Are you are are you? So we used to call it in Destiny net deck listing, right? Yeah. Like or net listing, net net decking, right? Like that's what we used to call it, right? Because we'd steal somebody else's deck and then tweak it, right? This here is to some extent more of a unique creation. Not only have we not seen these four be ran, other than if you were on Hexile today, people saw you run it. Um, so the cat's out of the bag. But <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and it, but but this is this is where you say, hey, I have an idea. So when we talk about list building on a high level, right? This is where Corey says, I have an idea. I want to do these set goals. And how do I get there? Right. And I think that that's, that's the big thing, right? Like we could net deck. You could take like JJ's and my, um, uh, dual fire spray Canaan list and you could tweak it all you want. Lots of people have done it. Um, one made top cut at Gen Con. So, you know, there, there's that. Yeah. Um, and there was, was definitely a little bit different than ours. They didn't have Eamon, um, unfortunately. And, you know, they, they ran Canaan in a different manner than we did. But that's what we talk about when we talk about net decking, you know, that type of thing. This is a unique creation. So now we can sit down and say, okay, well, my play style would not be to put elusive plasma on Kraken. That that would not be my personal play, play style, right? And I say with Ahsoka, I would not put Juke on Ahsoka. And that's just me. And that's because I don't like to take a lot of evades. Juke is like though I have put Juke um, on Grievous before, or not on Grievous. <laughs> Why would I put on Grievous? Um, you know, on on a, um, what do they call it? V1. There you go. A V1 before, right? And use Juke as a V1 type, uh, uh, you know, ship. Mm-hmm. We could tweak this list a little bit to be more of a, is, is these things necessary? And I think that kind of goes into my next question. When you determine when do you cut upgrades or when do you cut certain pilots? When do you got to make that decision? Right? So Corey's idea here is I want to go into, I want to be able to regenerate. I want to create a gauntlet that you do not want to kill. And I want every other ship to have its own unique utility that allows it to live. So that would tell me we can definitely not get rid of elusive. Like elusive has to be that staple. Brilliant innovation has to be a staple for Ahsoka. Um, you know, but could we get rid of Juke? Could we get rid of, um, you know, Leia? Can we, you know, instead of false transponder codes, could you put a different illicit or another three-point upgrade? Is K2SO necessary? So now let's kind of go into, and JJ, like, what are your thoughts on if we were to, if and again, not this list specifically, but if we want to start tearing apart and moving around some of these pieces, when do you start making that call? So, um, because I'm, I, when I'm building these type of lists here, it's like, I want to make sure like, I understand every particular ship's role, um, in this, in this particular list here. So if I'm making a change to a loadout, that's a little bit easier to do, uh, just because there's so many different ways to load out the different pilots to make them effective for what they can do. 
But once you start changing either the chassis or the pilots, then you got to start taking consideration how this affects the list as an uh, as a whole, right? So you take a look at Iron Kraken, for instance, the three-point ship here. Um, arguably, I think this is probably one of the more important pieces for this list because this does enable uh, like uh, different uh, actions to to occur, um, like during the engagement phase. Uh, which, when you take a look at the ships like Saul Guerrero or Sokotano, um, e either getting that extra mod that they need to do a more powerful shot. Or if Ahsoka hasn't boosted or barrel rolled to get her to boost to get a better shot or to arc dodge a potential deadly shot that could come in, um, that that is really, really important um, for that, especially if Ahsoka is taking an evade token to start for her action. And then after Iron, uh, Iron Kraken shoots, giving her a target lock so that way she can get off her Magpulse warheads or... Um, or um, or giving her a focus just for another defensive mod if she's caught in a bad spot. Um, I, I think that's where you start looking is when I'm changing that pilot, it, how is it going to affect the overall flow of this particular list here? Um, so the if I were to change anything here, the only thing I would consider is maybe either changing Ahsoka, which that's a really tall order to change um, her in this particular list just because she does have three force and she does have the ability to do that coordinate action for her ability um the only other consideration i would have would be uh the ewing saw guerrera uh, the one other pilot i would think that would possibly be really good in here would be uh magba yaro just to help mitigate the potential re-rolls from um from very ordinary lists that rely on the re-rolls and that can help keep my list a, um, a little more alive um, or at least a little more defensive in that case. But then at that point, I also have to consider, do uh, um, if I do change to that pilot, now the loadout value comes into effect, right? Can I still have the same um, upgrades on that list and still make it effective? And when you take that, that little add-on there, those extra four points that you're losing switching from Saw over into Magva is a big deal. So you have to make a consideration at that point. One, if I do change that pilot over to Magba, is her ability enough to compensate for those four points of loadout value that I'm now losing? And if I do decide to go that route, how am I equipping her? What sacrifice am I making for this list to make it uh, to make it effective? And I would actually, uh, I could still change Saw into Magba Yaro and put the child on her and also uh, get rid of Hopeful. And I can have a Leia and Child combo on Magba, and I still think that is a pretty decent change for it, and um, and possibly something that could work. So Corey, on your side, the same thing here is like as you build this, like if you have to remove things, where do you consider it first? Are you looking specifically because the list, your goal for this list is to have a gauntlet that never dies, right? Mm -hmm. Um. You know, like, so if, if you did change some of those things up and you removed the K2SO, right, you could put a different crew carrier on there. I know you hate putting dual force, force on there, um, but would you be able to move points around to move Leia over there to drop to a different one? But, like, what's the ideology behind if you have to remove some upgrades? Like, if you say, hey, okay, this did not work out super well in this aspect, what am I removing to change around to get a different ship or pilot that I want that could fit better. 
Yeah, I mean, it, even on today on stream, you know, Scott uh, brought up that you know, like no one, no one shot Ezra because they're going to get strained and it's going to regen. So, I mean, that was my goal was that it stayed alive, but it was almost too good. Um, and so, looking at this, saying, do I spread that around? So, do we um, move like you know what's not being used? So, if no one's going to shoot the gauntlet. It doesn't need regen, so that's five points that I free up that I can put someplace else, right? So um, leave Notorious, or do you take Notorious off so that um, people are more likely to shoot Ezra? And so then I put Notorious maybe on Saw and figure out some other loadout points for him there. So maybe K2SO and uh, Notorious get moved over to Saw. So you don't want to shoot that because you're going to get strained. You don't want to shoot Ezra because he's going to regen. So that means you have two targets that are kind of bad. Um, one of them hurts you with a strain. The other one can regen. So um, that's something I would look at. You mentioned Juke. Um, 100%. That, that may not. I didn't use it once, uh, to be honest. Uh, I fired the mag pulse, and then she booked it out of there. So um that was one game, so I wouldn't want to call it for that. But the idea is you throw a mag pulse at range and then you take an evade and no one ever wants to shoot at Ahsoka because she's got force and an evade. And she can use the juke, you know, at, at close range and, and kind of put some damage through even though she's only two dice uh, gone. So that leaves Kraken. And if you kill my three-point ship, yes, it's helpful in the beginning, but after a while he loses his, his functionality uh, and fine, kill my kill my Z95. I, I really don't care. Um, so as far as moving things around, I think it is about looking at stuff after a number of lists. Uh, one of the guys from our group, uh, Zach, he started bringing a notepad and actually writing down notes, which I had never thought about and I need to do more of, is how did a match go? What upgrades did I use? What didn't I use? What did I play against? What was useful? What wasn't? And he just kind of jots down some things um, because I found that for me, I like list building so much that I'll jump to another one before I've actually really pushed this one to see, is there a tweak I could make that makes it even better? Um, but I think it is keeping track of what upgrades are not really being used, uh, especially if you look across your record of I flew against aces, I flew against beef, I flew against ordnance, you know, whatever, what things came into play and what didn't. Um, and so like that shift of making the U-wing and the, and the gauntlet both being bad targets because one's regen and one's straining you, that's probably a direction that I would look at after a few times if this was working, but maybe needed a little bit more of a boost that's probably a direction I would go uh, to kind of push that even further. So uh, so then all four ships have some kind of negative to shooting at them. Yeah. So as we move on, I think one of the, the points you kind of brought up is you like to jump lists. Um, and I don't think anybody at the locals would disagree with that. I definitely <laughs> uh, know you'd like to jump lists. You did it for Gen Con. So um, there you go. I only brought four. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, and, and that's fine because uh, that's fine we could pick on you a little bit but we can also pick on me because i'm known for not picking my list before going to an event um especially online events until like the wee hours of the morning beforehand 
And you can ask JG how many times did I try to oh, swerve yeah. to draw back to droids? Like, oh, I, and I'm dead God. serious. You want to know how yeah. you know what I packed with me too, Corey? Was the droid list. <laughs> I did. I did. I did the same thing. I brought a droid list because I was like, I'm gonna sw- swerve. I know I'm gonna do it. And then I didn't, and I felt better that I didn't. But, <laughs> um, when let's talk a little bit about when is it time? You know, to um, when is the time to put a list to bed or 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 not put it to bed, right? Because I think the big deal becomes is we spend all this time testing, but how long do you actually test before you give up on it? And I will say, like, so I'm going to say, and this is honest truth, I was running um, an FO list, not quite the exact same thing as Crispy was. Before Crispy's list was popular, I was running something in local with a couple of bombers and not the electro chafe clouds, but with, you know, all those proxies and things like that in those the Revel Alphas nerve nuked my my bombers enough times that after two games I dumped out the, those lists. I was done. I was like, screw this. I'm not running this anymore. And maybe it's just because Alpha Rebel Strike and I didn't know how to run against that was just so good. Like, oh, we're gonna slow roll, slow roll, slow roll, and then by the time I got in there, they were already half dead. And and you know, blah 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 blah. But the question becomes is. <laughs> When is it time to to say, hey, this list doesn't work. I need to go back to the drawing board or, hey, I'm going to completely just shelve this list because I was way too stoned or drunk that night um, to, to say this is a good list. <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll start off with this one here. So there's there's a few criteria for each version. Right. So the first off, the first one is how the list feels when you're playing it. Right. There's a few mm-hmm. lists that. When you're playing it, you get a feel for it. it could be good, it could be bad, but it doesn't feel as good for you because you don't have an, uh, a natural comfort with that particular style list or the ships that are being flown. So it feels more, it feels like you're t- making more of an effort to try to get used to that list or acclimated to that list, whether it's good or not. And ultimately, if you don't feel comfortable or have fun playing that list, then at that point, once you get that sensation, it doesn't matter whether you've gotten two games in or if you've gotten 10 games in, it's probably best to drop that list because as time goes on and if you have a bad game either due to dice or a single mistake, just having that negative experience happen, especially in a tournament setting, can completely derail you for the entire um, the entire tournament after that. So if you get that sensation early on for a list, then at that point, stop playing it. If if you want to come back to it later on when it's not like a tournament type environment and give it a different uh, another go and see if you feel different about that list, then great. That's that's absolutely great. But at that point, um, if this is for like a tournament setting, just dump it immediately. The other part of it is if you do find a list that you feel comfortable with, either with the chassis or the uh, the pilot ability uh, that you're that you're flying with, um, I, I I subscribe to the Nick Sperry method run it a minimum 20 matches um to to give it a good feel um to see what upgrades make sense for that uh how what openings you have for that particular list and and you could get a really good sense from there um how you want to tweak that list right um for instance the one that we were developing for a while i was playing for a solid probably month and a half uh, just tweaking that list uh constantly uh, moving different um, different upgrades to different ships and stuff. I mean, in the early iteration of the list that you flew for Gen Con, 
I had Maul on Boba instead of Kanan. And I just had Kanan with Compassion and Ahsoka just because she was a cheaper crew and I can get that Compassion out for the just-in-case. But uh, as the as the evolution of that list uh, came through with me playing it constantly, um, you know, making that decision to put Maul and Kanan was absolutely fantastic just in case uh, Kanan takes those shots, having the ability to regen that force, adding Chaff Clouds and False Giant Spawner Codes onto Boba was a fantastic way to make Boba a more defensive type um, ship to help uh, take, you know, deal with those alpha strike lists that rely on target locks to make sure that they can't um, use those locks early on to take out your ships and give you a chance to either destroy those ships or cripple them in the event. And then just making the the modifications on what type of bombs you're carrying on Iman, you know, all those those um, those tweaks that you make to a list only come after you've played so many games with that particular list that you get to feel your own personal efficiencies, what you feel that you know you're going to remember, you know, what triggers you're going to remember, and that that helps you um, adjust your strategy to all different type of lists because there's not going to be one single list that's going to conquer the meta overall because there's always going to be a weakness somewhere along the line to it. But in the in those cases, it's going to matter how you react to that particular matchup that that's going to be important. And if you know your list and what upgrades you have just by muscle memory, then you have a better chance. Yeah. So Corey, how, how how many times do you play the list? And and here, let me throw a little wrinkle in it to to make it a little bit more wrinkly for you. Do you do you yeah. test lists against meta lists, or are you testing lists against anything? So I'll I'll be honest here. Um, JJ mentioned the feel. Like what, that's my number one thing is if it doesn't feel right, I drop it very quickly. Um, I think the other thing, just real quick to throw in there, is the more out there you make a list, the I think the scarier it is to get out there and say, like you mentioned 20 times, like for me, that would scare the scare the crap out of me because I get two matches a weekend. So that's 10 weeks, uh, unless I happen to get on channel, that I'm going to be flying the same list. And that list, to be honest, might be crap from the get-go. Like it, its bones might be crap, right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, it's it's tough um, to, to kind of gauge where that is. I, I think if it feels good, you know, I, I'll usually get excited about a list and fly it a few times. Then if I get walloped, a lot of times it'll kind of get set on the side and I'll have to think about it. Like what, what did that? What was the reason for that? Did I fly like crap? There's so many different factors, right? Uh, the objectives now that I fly like crap, did my dice, as much as I don't like to blame dice, there are times when dice just fail, right? You got double mods and you roll three blanks after two rolls that's dice failing you, right? There's not, you can't get around that. No damage uh, to Boba. Yeah. And so, um, you know, there, you got to look at all those factors. And I think that's where I, the other thing that came from Gen Con was me looking at, I brought a list that I really liked. I don't know if I'll keep flying it, but um, I did realize I need to get familiar with a few more lists more than I have been. And I think the thing about that Zach said, you know, does about, uh, taking notes and kind of spending more time on it, the Nick Sperry method of, of playing it more. I don't know about 20, but um, I would agree that I need to get more experience with it, trying against more things 
which is a challenge because our local meta is is pretty small and we're we're we we fly certain things and there's a lot of things we don't fly um and so then it's kind of looking for those opportunities to go out um you know on stream and play against people who are flying those things uh that are doing it so so i do have a question Corey. um now for me i um I don't always get the opportunity to play online as much as I can and, and playing locally is basically not existing for me right now. How much do you, for me, what I like to do, at least when I'm starting off for a list, I tend to use fly casual a lot. Okay. Uh, playing against AI. Now I, I will say with a caveat that fly casual does not have all the upgrades available. Right. And it also does not have the best AI as well because it's just by design. But do you ever consider using that to at least get a feel for the list first versus an AI opponent and see how it performs? Um, even if you don't have all the upgrades, just to like have at least the majority of the upgrades on that particular ship and kind of work that way? I I haven't. Um, sometimes I will set up by myself and on TTS and set up my uh, my list and kind of practice maneuvers, practice getting, you know, where is the list kind of coming together? How do I want it to function and fly? Um, and so I, 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 I think that's a, a really smart thing to do, and I probably should do it more, just kind of getting that feeling of how does that stuff run together, right? Like you get different initiatives and, and different placements of things. So I think that's a, that's a really super smart uh, thing to do. I just haven't done it. Um, I think the other thing that I've been railing on our local group about and, and we're pushing harder on is not playing through a whole game, like going and being okay with, Hey, we got 15 minutes into this game. We got the first couple engagements done. I think you, I can maybe pull this out, but, but it's going to be a slog, right? Let's reset and try this again. Um, And we've got a couple guys, one in particular that in our group that is like, well, you don't know if you really lost it. You don't know how to pull a game out of the out of the bag if you never fly to the end. I'm not saying don't ever do that, but I definitely think you're losing a lot of time in in pre- preparing for an event by not resetting after the first you know two three uh, rounds of engagement and just being like let's let's do this again because you could get two or three of those in in an hour versus uh, you know one whole game and be like I just got beat the last. 20 minutes like that doesn't help me at all so yeah the other thing i would recommend as well is um for heroes of the atari cluster there's an ai system that's developed that um, you can actually download on your phone um for like an ai and the the better part or the 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 reason why that's a little bit better than playing on fly casual for instance is that the ai system for heroes of the atari cluster does make checks to see uh to check for obstacles along the way so it gives you uh it gives you rules to adjust the heading or the bearing of the maneuver if there's an obstacle that's on the way because obviously a, a, a real life human mm-hmm. wouldn't like dial a four straight right into a rock right it would adjust by doing like a three bank to get around it and then there's different steps of actions that's available for that particular chassis that you can do to um help either point your ship towards an opponent or take a defensive mod if it's not possible. And I think that's a good way to practice solo. And that's something that I did very nice. early on um, when I was starting to get into the tournament scene. 
And that definitely helped me out a lot to consider different options that my opponent might be making in order for me to adjust my own flying towards them. Yeah. And I, I will throw out there too, uh, and this hopefully helps you guys out too, is playing on stream, I would say, is one of the best ways to test a list as well as, as you know, fly a list and see what it can do. Um, you know, having all these people rip on you for what the stupid maneuver that you did and the, you know, uh, the casters also, you know, being like, that was dumb. Why did he, why did he go there? Why didn't he do this? Um, I have learned so much from playing online, uh, on stream, uh, of just like, wow, I, I really screwed that up. And it's a great way to step back and look at a, a match and look at a list of like, what is it capable of? What's, what's going on? Um, so I think taking a list, especially one that's kind of out there and playing on stream, you're going to have people like we've already got people like, oh, Cassian's better or, you know, get rid of this or don't do this or whatever. Um, at least considering those things is fantastic. Right. Um, like I agree, Cassian's a fantastic U-wing. Uh, I just feel like right now, Cassian, you lose too many points, loadout points because you put Leia on it and then what else do you do with it? Um, give them notorious and a and false transponder codes or something, then and with Leia 100% or, or K2SO. Um, but playing on stream is another way to really look at a list and decide is it good because you're playing against metas that are outside of your own, um, and also you're getting critiques and uh from the chat as well as from whoever's commentating, uh, and it's it's nerve wracking at first, but it, once you get used to it, it is fantastic. And I, I can't stress it enough. Yeah. Well, awesome. <clears throat> Anything else we want to talk about list building before we wrap it up here? I think we've um, covered quite a bit of distance tonight. I would just <laughs> say try stuff. Like just, just try stuff. Like have, don't look at stuff as being solved. You know, like get, like uh, we talked about chaff clouds you know, when those first came out, people were like, these are crap. And now they're freaking everywhere. Like, mm -hmm. I know people laugh at my gonk droid, but if you can find a place to do it, regen has always been good, right? If you can do it and make it work, try it. Just get out there and try. That's what makes X-Wing. There's so many cards out there. And there's nothing wrong with, with net listing if you if you need to or want to or you don't like to, to do that. But try building something try doing something pulling a whole piece out and trying something new in there that maybe fits your style if that's you want to ease into it um but list building is is ridiculously fun in x-wing if you let yourself mm -hmm. do it uh it nothing is solved right now um and every couple months we're going to see something new crazy coming out so just just give it a try yeah gg yeah, and the same thing too. Like, you know, if you take a look at the big tournaments that is coming up, the next big one here is going to be NovaCon in November. And if you have any local uh, tournaments that are coming up for them, um, practice your list. So whatever you're planning or you think that you might be wanting to take over to Nova um, or you have a few lists, start practicing now. Get, that, get those reps in now. You know, the more um, time you spend prepping, 
Um, if you're planning to go to one of those big tournaments events to try to qualify for Worlds, now is the time now to get those those reps in and get a feel for that um, for that list and see how you feel with it and how the upgrades you have on it works out. And that way you can make adjustments. There's nothing for me. There's nothing like the worst feeling in the world than being unsure about your list the night before the <laughs> event and you're like you gotta pull the trigger on something and you you just do it and you do bad at an event and because you felt like you didn't have enough time to to test that particular change out and you feel like you could have done better if you went the other way and there's no worse feeling in the world like for me when i'm going through that type of uh situation well, awesome. Well, thank you all. Uh, thank you, Corey and JJ tonight for having the list building conversation with me. I think it's an important piece, you know, and when we talk about um, how do we help new players, how do we help, you know, other people going out and, and maybe, maybe you're out there struggling with list building. You're welcome to post it in the chat um, here, or you're welcome to go on to our discord if you would like. And if you go into the discord, you can find a channel that um will give you oops there will be a channel that will give you a uh, list building and if you post a list and you want us to critique it or have a conversation about it I mean, we'll do that like that's actually probably one of the funner segments we never get to do because we don't get enough interaction from people that want help with lists so if you want to talk about lists or you want to post something crazy and 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 yeah jj and i are not world's qualifiers yet but <laughs> It doesn't mean that we still don't understand the logic and, and, and it still doesn't mean it's not fun to go through those lists. And I think that's kind of the big thing. Um, a lot of like podcasts will do that. And yeah, maybe we're just borrowing from another podcast, but I find it fun. I find it fun to critique other people's lists because people come up with things. Um, and if somebody had shown me seven sister <clears throat> ahead of the time, I would probably have been one win ahead of time uh, farther down the road than I am now. So anyway, with that being said, again, thank you so much. Next week, um, we'll be back. JJ is going to be off next week uh, because JJ is moving to another state, which seems crazy to me, but I've never, I've only moved from one state to one other state when I was 15. And I, I guess I'm just one of those set in stone people that live in one it's, city for the rest of my life. This is like my fifth time in my life. <laughs> You're so, cra yeah. That's crazy, buddy. Yeah, that's just crazy. <laughs> that's crazy um so next week jj will not be on um so we are going to as of now we're having uh nick from 312 and then i will if if charles is unavailable i will have uh somebody else join me as well uh to be talking about a whole bunch of crazy stuff um i don't know do we have is there a tournament coming up next weekend i don't think there is, is uh there? no it's the following week that we have the gsp yeah, so gsp is the next one that we have in two weeks we will be having another um, another tournament discussion. Uh, I guess maybe not a tournament discussion, but you know Arena. another whatever you want to call it. I don't know what yeah. you call it, but we'll 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 do another list breakdown. And again, I'll next week I'll probably bring in a little bit more of my statistics to kind of talk through different factions uh, for people and stuff like that. So. All right. Yeah, XCC finals uh, will not will be two weeks, and so I and I will say yet yeah, like in two weeks JJ might be off again, but that's we will be discussing the XCC finals, especially if um we get to stream them. So that's what I'm, I'm hoping we get to stream them 
and I'll be very tired and very, very extremely tired that weekend. Yeah, they're like two I'll, in the morning, right? Yeah, they start yeah. Two in the morning. They, yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah, so basically it'll be me getting Friday and going, uh, getting out of work and then going and taking a nap and then getting up and setting up stream for the whole day. So I don't know. Maybe Corey will join me to stream at 2 a.m. in the morning. I heard he loves to be up early. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know who told you that. <laughs> anyway, so thank you all so much. We will be back. Later this week, we will have more Nickel City games on uh, any day that Greg is not streaming, and then we will be back next week with Nick from 312 Squadron. Thank you all. Have a good night, and we'll see you tomorrow. See you guys. See ya.